Explosive new report in The Intercept details how the FBI hired a convicted felon to infiltrate Black Lives Matter demonstrations in Denver and basically serve as an informant uh, on behalf of the FBI. Now, Mickey Windicker is the name of the informant they used, um, and he even tried to entrap some of these demonstrators by goading them to commit acts of violence. Luckily, they were not at all swayed by his calls to violence, luckily, um, and it did not work. But it is worth learning more about what the FBI was up to as protests broke out in response to the murder of George Floyd in 2020. So let's give you the details here, a few important excerpts from the piece. Windicker offered to give, FBI, give the FBI information about protesters. In an internal report, the FBI claimed that Windicker's motivation for becoming an informant was to fight terrorists and that he believed people who participate in violent civil unrest are terrorists. Now, what does it tell you that the FBI would use a violent felon as an agent provocateur at a Black Lives Matter rally? What would be the purpose? To bloody up the discourse, right? Muddy the waters. So, so instead of everybody there for the protest, now it's, well, look, they're looting, they're stealing, right? They're violent, or they're anarchist, right? 
It said, when Decker offered to give the FBI information, what do they mean offered? How do you just offer the FBI information? Isn't that a conflict of interest? As far as he being a paid informant, doesn't he have incentive like to make shit up just so he can get paid? Yeah, that sounds like a conflict of interest that he can just offer up information. What was he just sitting home and called his handler and said, hey, I know there's some rallies going on. Why don't you send me on up there and I can weed out the rabble rouses? <sighs> Is that how that works? <laughs> he offered up. Nigga, you a terrorist your damn self. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, yeah, anything to muddy up the waters. Anything to muddy up the waters. Social justice and equality is oppression to those that are used to having advantage and being in power. So the ideal of social equality to the powers that be is reverse racism. Yo, this government is a piece of shit, man. I'm telling you, yo. And this government, the, the, the government is what actually stops this country from fucking progressing. The one thing that's supposed to be keeping this country afloat and making this country run proficiently is the one thing that fucks it up. Like, this government can't get out of its own fucking way. Now, it's important to note that he himself had a violent past and terrorize many people. We'll get to the details on that in just a moment. Uh, but it is telling that he was trying to goad them into violent acts. They refused to engage in that, yet he thought they were terrorists and they were violent. Yeah, so that, that is two really interesting components to it. First of all, by his own definition, he's a terrorist, because as you're gonna see later in the story, he's the one that goes them into violence in those actual protests. So. That's not my definition, that's his definition, and he definitely falls into that category. Okay, second of all, look at the informant the FBI is sending in, a guy who is so racist that he thinks any protest of the police uh, is a bunch of terrorists who are gonna be violent. And then he constantly tries to goad them and goad them into that violence that he claims to be so worried about. So that's a deeply racist informant the FBI used in that case, let alone God knows how many other cases, let alone how he tries to create dissension in the group and yes. destroy the group. It's an amazing story. No, what was... Yeah, this is entrapment. How is this not entrapment? This is the abandoned truck full of guns in the hood trip. Remember them stories about dudes saying they used to come out, used to be a truck just full of guns, wide open, like somebody just left it there, right? So the niggas in the hood can get the guns and just take each other out. Sitting there in a peaceful protest, everybody just got a couple signs, might be yelling a little bit, and here come this cat. Talking about, hey guys, let's burn down the supermarket. <laughs> right? Well, let's turn over some cars. You want some weed? Right? You need a bait. So this debate car right here. Yeah. So he throw a rock, you throw a rock, police arrest you, he get paid. On to the next protest. 
Yeah, that's how it worked. And, yeah, and we remember during the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery protests, there were a whole bunch of what undercover cops that got caught, right? Spray painting and breaking windows, trying to act like it was people in the crowd. So they do this type of violence and destruction of property, and they'll use this as the catalyst for why they had to shut it down. They'll deem it unlawful because they'll say, well, look, you know, it's a destruction of property. People are looting. So we're going to shut it down. It's unlawful. It's an unlawful gathering. You know, in order to make it seem as though the outcome was a failure. It's a psych war, man. It's all psych shit. They want to psych you into thinking that the protest failed by them breaking it up. They don't want it to end on its own accord. Psychologically, that would feel like a victory. So nah, 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 nah. They're going to break it up, run you off the block. So the last thing you remember is being ran off the block. But what's that saying, right? The more things change, the more things stay the same. And so it's the same COINTELPRO that's right here online that's being used to foster a gender war in black spaces. Who you think in control of the divestor talk and, and all of that other shit? That's COINTELPRO, man. Same old players, new tactics. And I think this should be a cautionary tale for everyone, but especially the left, okay? Once he infiltrated the group of demonstrators, he started accusing others within the group of being feds or informants. And so that led to distrust. It led to fracturing within the group. It's just really fascinating um, how he kind of implemented these strategies to destroy uh, the group of demonstrators here. Now... <laughs> Yeah, that's what the feds do. They call everybody else the feds, right? You know, this Bucci and Tahaka Bay keep calling Tyreek the feds, right? Yeah, that's because they the feds. <laughs> Some of y'all niggas listen to the feds. FBI payment receipt records signed by Windiger showed that he was paid more than $20,000 for his work during the summer of 2020 when the FBI aggressively pursued racial justice and left-wing activists based on nothing more than First Amendment protected activities. They gave him $20,000 for his work during the summer of 2020. So what, 20K for uh, 120 days work? Yeah, for what, four months work? A little over 5K a month? Yeah. So, so it said the FBI aggressively pursued racial justice and left-wing activists based on nothing more than First Amendment protected activities. So even when the protests were lawful and peaceful, the FBI still wanted blood. Said so they aggressively pursued. You want to know what aggressively pursued looks like? 
Now, uh, the story of the Bureau's infiltration of racial justice activist groups is particularly relevant right now because House Republicans, of course, want to launch an investigation. They they have this new committee. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Um, It's chaired by Jim Jordan, and it seems to exclusively focus on the FBI's alleged targeting of the right wing. But clearly, there's evidence here that the FBI was targeting left-wing groups, especially as it pertains to uh, the protests that broke out in the summer of 2020. So the FBI is a deep, deep history of targeting the left, targeting black groups, ethnic groups, etc. And this seems to fit in perfectly, and it is incredibly disheartening that in the, you know, in 2020, uh, as late as that, they're still doing this stuff, let alone if they're still doing it now. Uh, but guys, it's also a cautionary tale for the right wing and how we treat each other. So do they sometimes use these same tactics in the right? Well, we've covered stories where FBI informants have gone into right wing groups that are much more prone to violence, but still they go and they goad them and they go, hey, would you like we- uh, weapons? In the case of the left, they're like, would you like a pea shooter? And the left's like, I don't know. In the case of the right wing, you're like, you want missile launchers, shoulder fire missile launchers, no, yeah, right? Etc. But entrapment is entrapment. Yes. Okay. So whether you're on the left or the right, for God's sake, be objective about this. Sometimes they get the right guys. Sometimes they get the wrong people, and they target them for the wrong reasons. So here's one. So you thought counterintelligence was a thing of the past. <laughs> you thought COINTELPRO died with J. Edgar Hoover and the Black Panther Party and the original nation of Islam. They had COINTELPRO on Garvey, COINTELPRO on Malcolm, COINTELPRO on the Black Panther Party. Matter of fact, it was COINTELPRO that killed Brother Fred Hampton. Even here today in cyberspace, you can see counterintelligence at work. A lot of troll accounts that are run by agent provocateurs. It was counterintelligence that turned 80s and 90s militant conscious rap music by Public Enemy and X-Clan into gang-banging, pimping hoe music. It was counterintelligence that made Billy Porter and RuPaul famous. Counterintelligence Organizing the protests in Denver. He would also go on to give the activists of Adias Hall $1,500 to buy a gun for him, which led to Zepp Hall being arrested for transferring a firearm to a felon.
Some of the FBI's actions have been compared to the agency's covert COINTELPRO program, that's counterintelligence program, which targeted civil rights groups and other activist movements in the 1960s and 70s. And now we resume our regular posting schedule with today's subject being a man who is the epitome of the old saying that there just ain't no way to fix stupid. Ron DeSantis is dumb, but he's also lazy. He's not alone. That's why these white supremacist think tanks like the Manhattan Institute thought that this clown could be a viable tool. This, by the way, has been a long-standing pattern by the white right, finding people with low IQs but high ambition who they could use as puppets. How did an obscure nobody like Sarah Palin, who didn't have the sense God gave a coconut, come to be seen as vice presidential material? It was because right-wing racist strategist Bill Kristol thought that she was the perfect empty vessel for the post-Bush Republican Party. Bill Kristol and those funding him wanted someone who could carry out their agenda, but without the occasional disagreements like the kind they sometimes had with W. They didn't want a Republican president. They wanted a Republican frontman, someone who didn't know too much and who didn't want to know too much. That pretty much describes Sarah Palin to a T. God knows her head is empty enough. And we see that this effort by these right white think tanks is to identify pliable, mushy-headed Republican politicians who they can mold into puppets. And that project is still underway. Ron DeSantis is an attention whore. He's going way overboard to try to prove that he's the king of the crazies. But have you ever asked yourself why it is that he's doing this so openly and so blatantly and so shamelessly? I haven't done that many video essays about DeSantis, mainly because this is someone who, in my opinion, isn't going to get far enough to be of any sort of substantive threat. Hell, even if by some unholy miracle this moron gets the presidency, he wouldn't know what to do with it. He has no charisma, he has less ideas, and when you look at the political positions that he took prior to going into Congress, you see that he has all kinds of vulnerabilities to any Republican who runs against him. DeSantis knows exactly how vulnerable he is on policy, and that's why he's been trying to reinvent himself as this lunatic right-wing zealot. He's trying to erase everyone's memory of what he was, or at the very least, neutralize it if and when it gets used against him by some Republican contender for the presidency. That's the reason why he has no problem carrying out all of these illegal maneuvers and making a grand fool of himself. He wants people to remember this stupidity because it's better than what they would remember if they thought about his record prior to when he was in Congress. As long as we're talking about his asinine legislation, such as it is, or his so-called voter suppression police, then we're not talking about his political past. Sure, his racial hysteria about critical race theory goes nowhere. But if he allows the conversation to ever become about his political past, then that's a dead end, especially in today's GOP. But Donald Trump is showing DeSantis that he understands the game far better than DeSantis ever will. 
I told you about DeSantis and that menstrual cycle nonsense for underage athletes going on in Florida. When you have someone like DeSantis who is so eager to get people to think that he wants to protect children, it reminds me of all of these Republican politicians who you see constantly railing against homosexuality. And then you inevitably find out later on that they were gay themselves. It's the guilty dog who barks the loudest. Florida is also the home of Congressman Matt Gates, who everybody knows is part of an investigation into pedophilia. DeSantis and Gates, they deserve each other. Like with like, I always say. But what Trump is doing to DeSantis is a classic <coughs> political strategy. Find out what your opponent's political strength is and turn it into a weakness. If DeSantis has tried to build a power base by branding himself as some righteous guardian of white children, then show that he's actually a child groomer instead. Trump is setting up exactly that narrative, and that DeSantis refuses to even deny it tells you that there's probably plenty more where that came from. Now, the dynamics of the GOP since Trump came on the scene have gotten a tad complicated. The GOP leadership hates Trump. And when I say leadership, I'm talking about the career DC politicians, the inside the Beltway crowd, as well as the donor class back of them. Ideology doesn't matter that much to these donors, by the way. It's useful for the sake of getting votes, but with the exception of taxes or government contracts, they don't really have an ideology, at least not the kind that's espoused by their political puppets. They are political royalty because their money controls who gets into D.C. and who is permanently locked out. And as Madison Cawthorn found out, their money controls who gets run out of town on a rail. It's been this way for a very long time now. Everybody knew the game, they knew how it worked, and they also knew their place within the power structure. But then, eight years ago, this orange-haired weirdo parachuted in out of nowhere <laughs> and swept the entire GOP field aside like they were flies. Nothing they did or said about him stuck. GOP voters deserted the entire Republican Party just so they could flock to Trump. And neither the lifelong GOP politicians like Mitt Romney or Jeb Bush could stop it and neither to the decades-long GOP donors. This, by the way, is where groups like the Lincoln Project came from. The people who made donations to the John McCains and others started putting money behind groups like that. But the source of the frustration by the GOP establishment was how did this ridiculous figure manage to snatch an entire political party right out from under the people who had run and controlled it for so long? And how had he done it so easily? It's because Trump recognized something the GOP leadership didn't, that their own voters didn't like them, mainly because they had been in D.C. for so long and comparatively had so little to show for it. Trump successfully branded the GOP establishment as lifelong politicians who were irredeemable. They'd spent their lives learning to play the game, and only someone who was totally from outside the process like himself could change things. As Trump put it, only I can fix it. And a lot of those Republican-based voters went for it. And when it comes to the lifelong GOP political class who don't do anything except for run for office, Ron DeSantis also falls into that category. He's a career politician who's climbed the ladder by being part of the GOP establishment. Like a number of GOP would-be up-and-comers, DeSantis figured out that nobody would vote for him as president, especially not in the age of Trump. DeSantis thought that he would be clever by spending the Trump years trying to remake himself as a mini-Trump, basically a distinction without a difference, i.e. Trump without the baggage. 
You hear that phrase a lot from these career GOP politicians, you know, the ones who are trying to straddle the fence with one foot in the GOP establishment while having a few toes over in MAGA land. They're trying to keep the base from rejecting them while also keeping faith with the GOP leadership. But as I've already explained, the difference between Trump and the rest of the GOP politicians goes way beyond just Trump's tongue. What the imitation Trumpers like DeSantis don't understand is that Trump without the baggage doesn't work. The Republican base is too far gone for them to go for somebody who tries to be a watered down, reasonable version of Trump. The very things that the DeSantis's and others claim needs to be sanitized from Trump's delivery is exactly the kind of things that the GOP <laughs> base loves about him. They love Trump precisely because he's unreasonable and he makes it where they can openly say all the racist stuff that they've been wanting to for so long. DeSantis and these other GOP lifers are trying to offer the Republican base a version of Diet Trump, but that's not attractive to them as the real thing. No politician in America was happier than Ron DeSantis when Donald Trump was voted out. He had been planning to make a presidential run since before he became governor. He had managed not to fall into Trump's crosshairs, but that was only because he hadn't done anything to get in Trump's way up until that point. How did it become clear that DeSantis is trying to make a run for the presidency? The orange man hasn't taken that very well, especially since the presidency may be the only way that Trump can avoid jail time. DeSantis has no defense against Trump. He can't scream critical race theory or woke against Trump. What DeSantis is doing is saying that he's focusing on being Joe Biden, not on attacking other Republicans. This empty-headed moron has no idea how weak that makes him look. Trump has created a new style of politics. In the past, a candidate who was trying to be the quote-unquote adult in the room might have worked, especially with older GOP voters or educated GOP voters. Since Trump came on the scene, trying to be the candidate of civility only makes you the candidate of weakness. DeSantis has painted himself into a corner. He spent so long trying to brand himself as a Trump-style candidate. Trump without the baggage. He's a candidate in the mold of Donald Trump. He spent so long trying to solidify that image of himself. Now he's up against the man who he's been pathetically trying to imitate, and he can't say anything. And by trying to do this pathetic nonsense about, I'm going to concentrate on attacking Joe Biden like I've been doing for years, DeSantis is looking a lot like his predecessor, Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush was also governor of Florida, and he came under attack by Donald Trump during the 2015 primaries. And what was Jeb Bush's response to the torrent of insults and personal attacks that Trump unleashed against him? Jeb Bush claimed that the GOP's top priority had to be stopping Hillary Clinton and not each other. But like Jeb Bush before him, DeSantis fails to understand that if he doesn't survive the primaries, he'll never get a chance to become president. And in the primaries, you can't accuse your GOP opponents of being woke or pushing critical race theory, etc. DeSantis has no ideas and he has no policies. All he has are some pre-canned talking points that were given to him by these white right think tanks. But that's not gonna work against Trump. Trump understands that in a game of one-upmanship, whoever is willing to be the most extreme wins. And he's also showing DeSantis exactly how far he's willing to go. All of Donald Trump's indiscretions and all of his shameful secrets have been laid bare before the public a long time ago. It's impossible to shame Trump precisely because everybody already knows his dirty little dealings. It's all of these other politicians who are the ones that are vulnerable to that kind of shaming.
The GOP establishment and the white media hates that Donald Trump is still out there. They want him gone so things can go back to normal for them. But with DeSantis, they picked the wrong tool for the job. Trump recognizes something else about DeSantis that would make him into a sitting duck in a primary battle. DeSantis's utter obsession with critical race theory and wokeness have made him a one-trick pony. When the hurricane struck Florida last year, DeSantis was completely dumbfounded when the white media demanded to know why he wasn't ready for it. He couldn't do his culture warrior shtick with the natural disaster. He couldn't shoehorn critical race theory into the conversation when he was standing in the rubble that used to be an entire neighborhood. It was obvious to everyone that it doesn't take much to get DeSantis off his game. He only knows how to perform for the carefully stage-managed photo ops that Christopher Rufo sets up for him. Trump, on the other hand, is far superior at improvisation. Sure, he'll put his foot in his mouth more than once, but he's never been a deer in headlights. You hit Trump, he'll hit back. He doesn't respond with something tepid or weak. DeSantis' only two talking points are no good against Trump. He can't accuse Trump of being woke or of promoting CRT. And because DeSantis never bothered to cultivate any skills or policies other than imitating Trump and running against black people, he's already taking on water. His stupid photo ops and getting on Tucker Carlson tonight won't stop this train from running him over. DeSantis is a prime example of what happens when a desperate politician has no identity and no ideas. All he can think of is to get attention. Good or bad doesn't matter to him. He thinks merely raising his profile and name recognition in and of itself is enough. And he's now finding out that it's not. DeSantis could go stand buck naked in front of the Statue of Liberty and set himself on fire. That would get plenty of headlines. But how many votes would it get him? He equates publicity with political viability. And he's wrong. There were plenty of GOP politicians who had more money than Trump and others who had greater name recognition. And he crushed all of them. Trump's campaign runs on anger and fear. DeSantis's campaign, on the other hand, runs on spite and pettiness. So although DeSantis is obnoxious, as I've already explained in my prior videos about him, history has shown that the primary candidate who comes charging out of the gate first is also the one who tends to burn out first too. When it comes to capturing the presidency, slow and steady wins the race. Maybe if DeSantis learned to read a history book instead of banning them, he would have known that. Good evening and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Our lads, Samora Morris, Montrez Braxton, Johnny Martin, and Latavius. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. Um, you see those lights? They got you their scopes. Yeah, you see that shit. It's true. I guess it's just true what they say about what you got to do in Hollywood. But then you take a look at who's back in the play. The dead black media. The dead black media. If anybody wants to know in basically one color, one photograph, what happened to them, this is what happened to them. If you want to know why it is that they sank and descended okay, into the grave of obscurity and irrelevance, this is what occurred. This is how it happened. Now, there's been much.
much ado made about Jonathan Majors. We would like to say he's an up-and-coming star in Hollywood, although well, we'll see how that goes. But um, he's been making some noise. Disney has signed him up for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to play Kang. So he's been, you know, bandied about all over the place. And good for him. Good for him. Absolutely no problem. But along comes Ebony. And Ebony Magazine decides, let moisture rain. <laughs> so they grab Jonathan and say, I guess they figure, well, this is, forget about black history. This is in time for Valentine's Day. So away they go. Away they go. In the chat room, uh, set the mug. You might feel differently when we get done with this program tonight. So you better hold on to your G-strings because uh, you may feel differently by the time this program is over tonight. So don't be too hasty. What are you saying? But in any case, there's been much value made about this cover. Obviously, their point and their goal was to get attention. They damn sure did. Much ado was made about it, but um, what folk don't realize is that this was this cover everybody was seeing. But no, this was part of a, of a cover shoot. It was part of a cover shoot. So this how he looked at it. He full moist. So, oh no, it wasn't just one photograph. It wasn't just a couple of photographs. It really, really wasn't. It wasn't just a couple of photographs. I mean, they spent the day. You see this shit? They spent the day with him. Oh, he's a. Uh, 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 those of you who didn't boxer? know and didn't see it, they spent the day with oh, him. Yeah, they were just like, hey, just we brought a whole moist wardrobe for you. We brought the whole wardrobe for you. And he just fed right on in. First of all, no shade. I'm taking a look. I'm taking a look at, first of all, they got him in this pink skin tight suit. First of all, we're looking at these the shoes. shoes like Who was his fashion designer? Kanye West or Wakanda? Which part of the wardrobe is this? I don't know what the fuck that is. Who got that together? Who's in charge of the dress code? Oh, I'm sorry. We don't get to that, thing. We're going to get to that because be very, very clear on this. This was an ensemble production that put this together. This was an ensemble production that put this together. So A pink skull cap. They're out there doing the most. They got Jonathan sitting up here. I mean, they couldn't. They could have done this any old kind of way. But they decided to do this. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. But this does not scream masculinity. This screams the opposite. If I'm telling the truth, give me the fire emoji and hit the likes button. There's a couple thousand people already in just the first five minutes. I'm supposing there's a bunch of you got a problem with it. This is the way we likes our ends. Okay, well, if that's you, give me the drip emoji in the chat room. If you think this is not masculinity, Give me the fire emoji. If you fire think this emoji. is, give me the water drop emoji. In the chat room. Just give me the drip emoji and we'll be like, okay, I understand what's going on with you. No hate, no shade. I've just been just make sure about that. And hit the likes button here. <laughs> Who the we got in the chat room? Jamil Lemieux? 
Something's bothering you about this? If y'all if y'all agree with the hell I'm saying, hit the likes button for it. Don't let it wait. I bet you his bitch put him up, so he must got right. So they got Jonathan Majors at the beginning of his ascendancy. They didn't even come back around to get him later. They got him at the beginning. Now, there would be some people who would say, well, Jason, the thing is, you is trying to pigeonhole masculinities. Professor Sheena Howards would be right here. Masculinity can have many different forms. There isn't anything gay about this, Jason. That's the problem. You see things through your jaundiced eyes. There isn't anything gay about this. Nothing about this at all. Okay. You just see things the wrong way. That's the problem with you. He's like talking like that. Masculine, toxic, troglodyte. <laughs> that is the problem is that you don't see things the right way. That's the Somebody's issue. Crying. Is you don't see it correctly. <laughs> okay. Fine. But if that's the case, I do have one question. Like if that is the case, that, I that do Disney, have one question because I start seeing things like that. I start asking other questions. Like, oh, that's what he. Oh, I start seeing a strange company. That's why I see his face. If this really isn't about that, then someone explain to me where in the soggy sock moist hell this came from. Oh my, that could be the Jesus. Why are you doing it? And the why is what you're doing, not me. I volunteer as tribute. Are you with me? I'm most likely between those legs. Most importantly, every other man in existence is immediately trash. Garbage. Maybe recycling if they have good credit. Call me a white girl named Stephanie because I'm doomed to accept this rose. I'm just saying you're gay. What in the village people hell Thank you. is going on? Too but much. it's just me, right? It's just me, no. right? Too much game is going on. It's just me. Um. Then again, y'all, believe it or not, that was the nice one. You ain't seen someone else's floating around out there. Oh, wow. Are you listening to me? I didn't even finish the name when it pops up. He got tether. Yeah. Oh, my stomach is turning. Avengers. Oh, it. Oh, he's an up and coming actor. He's he just haven't acted before. Uh-huh. This is his first. Y'all, movie. what has been seen cannot be unseen, unheard. And he's oh boy, I feel like somebody scratched my eyeballs with a Bruno pad. Man, look here. I don't know what's going on with the new niggas, but here, that, okay, okay, but ain't nothing moist going on, right? This is just all in my head, right? This is just all in our head. Look who that is. Look who that is. It ain't no reality to it. All in our heads, right? Look like yeah, it, it, this is, is just real. all going on in our heads is, is what's going on I, here. I, I, no truth to it whatsoever. Oh my, black baby Jesus. The majors, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? And the why is what you're doing, not me. I volunteer as tribute. 
be with for the most part between those nights. Most importantly, every other man in existence is immediately trash. Carpet, maybe recycling if they have good credit. Call me a white girl named Stephanie because I do need to accept this rose. Nope, it's just all in our heads. It's just all in our heads. That's all it is. Just in our heads. There's no proof to it. There's no truth to it. Nope. You're just fantasizing or hallucinating the whole thing. Basically. Basically. But there's absolutely nothing to substantiate. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. Just can't believe that niggas. Okay, if, if this is like not that. appealing to a certain sector of the population, explain Listen to me why they all lined up nigga, with their water bottles her. and baby oil. Explain to me why that's the case. I'm trying to figure it out. She was gay. Yeah, that's gay. All, all right. But it goes a little bit deeper here. It goes a little bit deeper. Jason, it goes deeper. Oh, yeah. Dog out fast. Yeah, it sure does. Obviously, the good folks over there at Ebony felt like they had a hit on their hands. They obviously felt like they had a hit on their hands. Because what they did, if you take a look at it, if you go by their Twitter page, if you take a look at what they did, it's got a couple of million views. They sold out. Yeah, they sold out. Then you come on down here. They were so proud of themselves that they started posting. I guess the staff that was responsible for this fiasco. I mean, this cover. Bullshit. And I couldn't help but notice some things. Jason, what kind of things? What kind of things? Couldn't help but notice. You go down the list there. Hello, Miss Corey Murray. Miss uh, editor of Ebony, Miss uh, Marielle Bobo, <laughs> creative director, the photographer is black. I mean, white. Mr. Keith Major, I'm assuming he's not related. Miss <laughs> no, last white. name. I'm just going to assume that he is not related. No, exactly. But just in case. Fat cyclist. Dot our I's and cross our T's. This motherfucker fat. Oh, no, Hello, fat. Mr. Major. Community building. Right. Coach Ebony Magazine. Glad to see Ebony Magazine. Because there are no black photographers out there. Because there are no black photographers out there. Obviously. So, yeah, they did that. Uh, Stephen London, and they got some of these wrong on here, by the way, but all right. Video by Mega Media. All right, Mega Media so proud they don't want to be seen. The gaffer was Rusty Burglar. That's a hell of a name for a gaffer. You can all go look up what a gaffer does. I was going to say, hell of a name for a gaffer. The swing, the swing is Mr. <laughs> it says Gabby is solo 13, but. Dario Naharis, Dario Naharis, I think that's the name of one of the assassins from Game of Thrones. <laughs> if I remember, Dario Naharis was one of the assassins. But anyway, yeah. um, let's go and take a look here at Mr. Gabe Solo. Everybody, I wouldn't want to cast any aspersions, but um, by the way, Mr. Like Gabe it. Solo. Uh, hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, Mr. Gabe Solo Island. It doesn't look like one of the brothers to me. So, Ebony Magazine is certainly making sure that. Well, he's not a brother. They're making sure that um, black folk are staying employed, certainly. So, very glad Ebony could take care of that. Very glad they could see about that. The sound mixer, Mr. Jonah Miles. Solo assistance, Blue Nose Delight. Blue Nose Delight is Mr. Cesar Rebeller. So <coughs> this is Mr. Jonah here. Mr. Jonah here. Okay, Mr. Jonah. He's off on vacation. Good for him. Jonah. Um, here's Mr. Blue Nose Delight, Cesar Rebella. Okay. So clearly, Ebony apparently was not able to find or locate suitable black talent. Digital Tech is Sharendon Pease. Yeah, that go to gayness. He was gay. So Sharendon P. Yeah, he oh, okay. He just gay. Oh, New York based yeah. photographer by way of Trinidad and Tobago. See, see, Trinidadian right. Bush boy. Yeah. So, Mr. Sharon Dupree. Look at his face and tell he's gay. Mr. Stylist is Alexander Julian. Now, that's not actually a link to his uh, page there. Not actually a link there. Mr. P was certainly the guy who was responsible for these covers. Certainly the fellow responsible for these covers. So we wouldn't want him to miss out. Uh, somebody said break out, break out the pepper. Wouldn't want him to miss out on anything. United Ministries. Otherwise, he wouldn't be seen. So we don't want him to miss out. We are checking paperwork. But by the way. Lucy Palooza. This is him on Instagram. Nigerian flag. Told you. You're tethered. Rather proud of his work. You're tethered. So, good for him. He's proud of his work. Nigerian. Got that out of the way. Yes. So, Ebony has certainly been dotting their I's and crossing their T's. As far as who's allowed in the building and what they will be doing. Because we wouldn't want anything untoward or undesired to happen like black folk having something here. Well, how did the audience take this? How did the audience take this? If you take a look at that, how did the audience take this? Tens across the board. Um, yeah, some folks were like, uh, we're picking up a vibe off of it. We're picking up a vibe off of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, needless to say, uh, nonsense abounds. Twitter or something. I don't go on Twitter yeah, after twelve o'clock. I don't go on Twitter after twelve o'clock. It turns I nasty. I just don't think it turns nasty. Because the first question I gotta ask is, who is this for? Twitter in the AM hours. 
I didn't get none of Ebony that. Magazine is supposed to be publication for black people. So I had to block a motherfucker sent me and yet some white bitch with some uh, ginormous titties. That bitch looked like an alien. Really strange. Yeah, I had to block her. Man, them motherfuckers was fake all the way around. It's something that you reference for the purposes of mocking, but it's not something that you go to because it reflects your desires, value, identity, experience. Oh, some bitch sent me a dude once. I was like, why would you even send me a stupid ass cow? Part of the ebony black experience. K bitches. I mean, they nasty online. They just even if you are a black female. What part of your experience with men is this? And if you've had this experience with men in your life, it might explain a whole lot about them in your life. But what part of the black experience is this? Is this supposed to be? Or is this supposed to represent? Pussy popping tether run Ebony. That's the question I'm asking. What does it represent? homosexual I'll tell you what it represents. It represents a desperate attempt by the old dead black media to get some folks talking about them so that they can try to make a case that people actually discuss them. Let's be very, very clear. When was the last time we ever said anything about Ebony? It's just that irrelevant. It's just that irrelevant. They're right now just desperate to be seen. Can we be seen? Can we be heard? But it's not old folks. It's white folks. Y'all are still out there somewhere. It's not old. Somebody is still dumping money into it because it's certainly not because you're making any. Somebody's still dumping some money into it. And for what? For what? You know, if y'all can move any weight. You wouldn't have to do weird, wacky, bizarre, twisted stunts like this. When you got to pull stunts like this, it's because you don't have a core audience. If you have to resort to this type of wild, shock value sensationalism, you don't have a core audience. So now you're just going for clicks and tweets because you lost your core audience a long damn time ago. And basically you're like Sears. You're this institution that had so much money put into you for so long. It's just taking an abnormally long amount of time for you to just wind down into powder. But you don't really have a core audience to appeal to. Not at all. Not at all. So the dead black media is desperate for relevance, desperate for attention, desperate to acknowledge people still here. It's how crazy it's gotten. It's how crazy it's gotten. They had an opportunity to have Jonathan Majors on their magazine. And instead of using it as a cover and a story that you could put out for the next 20 years, it's one of those things you'll go back to with reverence. A hero. Instead, they squandered the opportunity uh, to sit up here and put up garbage. He's a Marvel comic, but then you dumb him down by being moist. But it does serve another purpose because, as you know, Ebony, 
all of your dead black media publications, Ebony Jet Essence, all the old fossil publications, they now kowtow to white publications, white sponsors, and those sponsors and publications, those sponsors and investors, I don't even want to say investors, but really backers, they made it very clear to them that, hey, there's a certain thing we want to see. There's a certain thing we want to see. We don't want to see masculine men. We don't want to see black families. We want this to, uh, we don't want this to reinforce that. We want your magazine to challenge that. I don't think the old people have it. So they put folks in charge who are here to challenge black society and they're using what little money, what little capital, what little mass appeal and exposure they have for the purposes of attacking black society on their way into oblivion. This is how Ebony chose to go out. Ebony chose to go out like this. But the reason is because they can't move any weight. They can't move any numbers. That's the reason why. And they're far from alone. This is part of an overall agenda. It's part of an overall agenda. It's part of an overall strategy. And I've come here tonight for the purposes of threading the needle. So we're going to take a very brief commercial, not commercial break. But when we come back, I want to show you the direct link between this particular ebony cover, this particular one <laughs> at this time, and the ongoing campaign by the dead black media and its white backers to attack black society and particularly black masculinity. You're going to want to stick around for this because this nobody's talked about this. No one's put this together. No one's attached all the pieces and connected all the dots. I've done that for you tonight. So stay tuned. It will be well worth it. In the meantime, I want to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, or Super Chat. So, Mr. N.J. Williams, thank you very much for your support. Sir Williams, thank you. And a big shout out to Andrea Roberson there in the Super Chat. Thank you all for your support, especially you, Andrea. I appreciate that as always. And please keep in mind, YouTube does keep one-third of every dollar that you submit over Super Chat. I know it's really convenient over the iPhone, but consider using one of the links um, in the description of the video for PayPal, Cash App. I think I got a Venmo now. So definitely consider that as well because uh, YouTube keeps one third of every dollar, but however you choose to contribute, that's up to you. Just make sure you're aware of all your options. We're gonna take a very brief commercial, not commercial break. When we come back, the direct link between that infamous Jonathan Majors Ebony Magazine cover and the campaign by the dead black media to attack black masculinity. This is the Black Channel. Greetings, brothers and sisters. My name is Joe Jackson from the Foundation of Black America. And I have this little IT with the core of helping the family globally. The industry's been changing. I've learned a lot. But how did we get here? How do we navigate the issues we face in the workplace? How can we get our house in order? The concept and intricacies of being black in IT now on Amazon. It was the best selling guide to being black in IT. Go to beingblackinit.com. Order yours today to experience all the benefits of Ash Kick and Natural Body Butter. With skin so smooth and soft. 
Star creator of Poetry with a Purpose and author of the book Press But Not Crush. Press But Not Crush is an anthology of political poems that address current and historical issues in American descendants of slave population and African American population. The book describes slavery and its residuals, Jim Crow segregation, social depredation, and other relevant issues to American descendants of slaves and African-Americans, including the current political climate that does not address our issues. This is The Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, The Black Authority. Very glad to be with you all here this evening. As promised here, I'm gonna connect the dots for you here between the uh, now Infamous Ebony Magazine coming with Jonathan Majors and the rest of the dead black media. And to be clear, just a brief reminder. Yes, we're going to mention you a lot about this process of the installation, so I'm just saying I have to do my job here. Trust me, this is as uncomfortable for me to do as it is uncomfortable for all of you to watch. Believe me. The folks who are trying to tell us that there's no agenda behind this, and this is just between our ears, and this is just our imagination that we see this as emasculation, I just wanted to show you some of the fans of Jonathan Major's Ebony Magazine cover shoot. Oh my black baby Jesus, the Majors. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And why is what you're doing not? I volunteer as tribute. I have no idea. Most importantly, every other man in existence is immediately trash. Garbage. Maybe recycling if they have good credit. Call me a white girl named Stephanie because I do accept this rose. Happy Monday. All right, Mr. Majors and all the women who like that photo cover shoot. Um, this is your competition making its way to his uh, hotel room. 
And he ain't alone. He's got backup. Oh, this is disturbing. This is a damn shame. This is a goddamn shame. Oh, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I don't know why you look like Oh, this. I'm not going to be able to sleep that tonight. That's been damn certain. That's a straight bullshit. I will not be able to sleep after seeing that. That's some straight bullshit. Yeah. However, shit. I did some looking into it because I wanted to see whether or not there was any type of uh, any type of reflection or mirroring going on out there. So I decided, why don't we go and check in with the usual suspects? And I did. What do you know what's happening over there at The Root? Well, 13 actors who could replace Denzel Washington, who could be the next Denzel Washington. Let's be very clear, it ain't going to be another Denzel Washington. Not going to be another one. Miss Chanel Janae. So she puts together a list. And who's first on the list now? The Ebony Magazine shoot now has been about two or three weeks ago. We've been talking about, folks have been talking about now for the past couple weeks. But since then, this was just published yesterday. Here comes The Root. Here comes The Root. To discuss about that. So Jonathan Majors is the first one here. So, all right, we're off to a rousing start. Who's next? John Boyega, that dude. He's been solid so far. We'll see if it lasts. Daniel Kaluuya. Okay. We'll see if it lasts. Uh, Mr. Jarrell Jerome. Okay, I'm not very familiar with him, though. What does he do? This is Jones talking to five on the radar right now, but don't let that make you forget that the When You See Us and Moonlight Star. Well, well, it didn't take very long to thread that needle now, did it? Direct connection between the Ebony Magazine cover shoot and the agenda. Didn't take very long for that one to happen. Now, did it? So, yeah, we back at the agenda. Back at the agenda. Right, Corey Hawkins. Not sure what he was doing. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan is not going to be the next Denzel Washington. Michael B. Jordan is going to be the next Michael B. Jordan. He's in the field for the lead zone. Yes. Aldous Hodge. Okay, we'll come back and check on him. Ryan Tyree Henry. No. Okay. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Looks like he's been in Hamilton in one night in Miami. I think about this movie way too often. Y'all should go check that one out and see what she's talking about, too, by the way. Melvin Harrison Jr. Now, he's wearing a jacket that looks like a stiff jaw, old square jaw. That's something not from her. Melvin Harrison Jr., what did you do here? All it took was me to see Melvin Harrison Jr. waves to know you're doing something special. 
We'll come back to that. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Uh, Stephen James. Stephen James, what you done? I'd be lying if I said we talk enough about If Beale Street Could Talk stars Stephen James. Because the truth is, we don't. And that's a shame given what we've seen in the aforementioned film, 21 Bridges, and Race. Well, I mean, maybe we don't talk about the young man enough. So let's see. We got Stephen James. Well, I went looking to go see if I could find some information on Mr. Stephen James, and I kind of did. I kind of did. Uh, he's got a new film coming out here, and this story, I mean, he was starting a film here. He started a film. It's probably a, it was a series or a film or a series. Never seen either one of them there, but couldn't help but notice. A film series about Jean-Michael Basquiat. Jean-Michael Basquiat. Who is Jean-Michael Basquiat? Well, I can say many things, but I will let the Central London Community Healthcare NHS Trust tell you. This is what you get, by the way, if you go Google it, is this pretty much the only thing that comes up when you type in his name. Jean-Michael Basquiat. By the way. 1960, 1980. Yeah. LGBTQ. This February, we are proud to honor LGBT Plus History Month. By the way, that's an insult to black history. Well, I'm going to say. A month-long celebration of remembrance of black being gay, bisexual, and transgender history. That's bullshit. Who make this shit up? Okay, today. We don't go by that anyway. We celebrate Jean-Michael Basquiat. Jean-Michael Basquiat was born in Park Slope, Brooklyn, to a Haitian father and a Puerto Rican mother. His cultural heritage provided inspiration, and we would often incorporate, he would often incorporate Spanish words into his artworks. He was hit by a car when he was eight years old. Mother bought a copy of... He started using, he started as a graffiti artist using the tag Samo. Shorthand for same old S. Same old shit. He created this with high school friend Al Diaz. So, okay. Now listen to what they have done in the next paragraph here. Notice now I'm, I'm threading this needle from Ebony all the way through the rest of the dead black media. Basquiat was bisexual and his girlfriend, Suzanne Malik who financially supported him as a waitress during this period, later described his sexuality as, quote, non-monochromatic. What the hell? Non, not monochromatic. It did not rely on visual stimulation, such as a pretty girl. Really? He wasn't sexually attracted to pretty things. Tell us more. Oh, wow. He wasn't attracted to people. It was a very rich, multi-chromatic sexuality. He was attracted to people for all different reasons. They could be boys, girls, thin, fat, pretty, ugly. And you got in bed with him, ma'am? So he would just sleep with anything. And she, she flopped in bed with him? Okay. 
It was, I think, driven by intelligence. He was attracted to intelligence more than anything and to pain. All right, I'm smelling sexual deviance all over this. All right. In 1982, he also dated then unknown singer Madonna. Oh, so she was dating him before she got on. He died in 1988 at 27 years old of a heroin overdose. By the way, they are celebrating LGBT History Month. Mr. Jean Michael Basquiat. So, so glad we got that there. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. Hold on a second. Oh, Mr. Kelvin Harrison. By the way, did we take a chance to go ahead and check into him too to see a couple of things? Oh, what do you know? Oh, oh, that's interesting. Mr. Kelvin Harrison Jr. Same time last year. Also to star in a Basquiat biopic. Samo. Oh, well. Now, that, that didn't take terribly long now, did it? What do you know? So the root basically went down the whole list of folks associated with these LGBT movie projects and said, these are going to be the next Denzel Washington. So in other words, you're calling them. Don't be the next Denzel Washington. Jason, you reaching. 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 Trevante Rhodes. I mean, do I really have to say much here? Trevante Rhodes has the looks. Vulnerability. Moonlight. So now we know what they mean by what she means by vulnerability. This is the new, it used to be as a man talking about your feelings was being vulnerable. Eh, moonlight, you exposed more than your feelings. In Moonlight, those males were exposing more than just their feelings. So she couldn't even stop there. But it's just me, right? It's just me, right? This is just my interpretation. I'm just reaching, right? So right after you sit up here, I'm just reaching. Jason's just reaching again and again and again. I'm just reaching, right? I'm just reaching. It's just me. It ain't that serious. It's just me. I'm just reaching, right? I'm just reaching. We're just reaching. So what I want to show you all is that, yeah, there's a direct link between the time frames of posting this and then using that as a springboard over at Rio to see if they can make that happen. No, it shouldn't be any, um, the fact that they got pink behind him in this picture, the fact that there's pink behind him in that picture. No, it's not accidental that the Rio chose that. They were obviously playing off of the photo shoot that he had just taken that got all that attention. All of a sudden, they want to talk about John the Majors and who's going to be the next Denzel Washington. The Grio, another online dead publication, another dead brand, living off of the largesse of millionaires or billionaires, 
hoping that they can sell it to a greater fool at some point down the road, not because it's actually on the rise or building anything. It just gives us material and grist for the mill to mock. It just gives us material and grist for the mill to mock. However, just in case you were saying to yourself, well, Jason, it ain't really that bad over there, you old dear black media. I mean, you're making too much for you. making too much. making too damn much. Okay? You could say that. But then again, oh, hot off the presses, this just in. Over there at the root. By the way, hot off the presses, this just in. Melissa Harris Perry speaks out about the takeaway being canceled, calls the decision an act of abuse. What in the hell is going on over there? Who, what, what is the, what is the takeaway? What is that? Before we go any further here, let's go ahead and just take a quick look at this. This is uh, Melissa Harris Perry on Twitter. Producers, editors, and directors, and the team of the takeaway deserve so much better than this. The team is exceptional. Canceling this show in this way is an act of institutional cruelty and abuse by the executives of WNYC. I will stand for them until the end. We'll stand for who? The people of WNYC. Okay. The junction matters, Miss Perry. Well, what is Miss Perry squealing about? Well, I'll tell you what she's upset about. From the Root by Miss Candace McDuffie. Melissa Harris Perry has taken to Twitter to express shock, disgust, and dismay that her show, The Takeaway, has been scheduled for cancellation in June. People, it's only February. It's only February. She's been scheduled for cancellation in June. Four months from now. But she's screaming. They go on to say, it was started in 2008 as an alternative program to NPR's Morning Edition in conjunction with WNYC, which, produ- which co-produces The Takeaway. It is distributed by PRX. Now, here's the next paragraph in their stories. Matter of fact, I'm going to do you all a solid. Let me go ahead and show you what it says. This is directly from the website at The Root. Due to a decrease in audience and carriage, that means stations who want to carry it, the decision to get rid of it altogether was announced Friday. According to a memo that was distributed, the takeaways, quote, decline in audience as well as the financial challenge of producing a daily show situation made more challenging this year by the headwinds facing many across media has led us to this decision. So we're talking about WNYC said this. But this is what they're saying is due to a decrease in audience and carriage, there's been a, quote, decline in audience as well as the cost of producing this daily show that ain't making us any money is losing money because it's losing audience. No, WNYC is not going to stop broadcasting. They're going to get rid of hers and put something else on that can actually draw money. And of course, because she can't draw money, 
She goes complaining. A WNYC spokesperson stated that carriage had decreased by nearly 13% over the last few years. Host Melissa Harris-Perry, who was named the show's permanent host in 2021 after Tanzina Vega resigned from the position, took to Twitter to share how she feels about the news. You already heard me say what she said there. In a memo sent to the staff of New York Public Radio, Senior Vice President of WNYC Studios, Kenya Young, so it's in the black female out there to do the dirty work. And COO Andrew Golis confirmed that all employees of the takeaway will receive compensation through June. There are a total of 12 full-time staffers. Quote, it is a credit to the talent and dedication of the many team members over the years that this show has been such an important part of the public radio landscape and NYPR for so long, they remarked. We especially want to thank the current production staff for their incredible work and Melissa Harris-Perry for her gracious leadership of the Takeaway team since 2021. The Root has covered the devastating occurrences of Black journalists, specifically Black women journalists, being publicly let go from their jobs and how our community suffers when that happens. Despite the setback, we know that the future will be bright for Harris Perry. If you don't get the hell out of here, she went from MSNBC to NPR to a milk carton here. And the reason is because she couldn't draw money. She's never been able to draw money. She's never been able to build an audience, even with millions and millions of dollars behind her, even being teed up at the plate with it being primed with an audience, she's never been able to build one. Everywhere she goes, the audience begins to nosedive. That's the old black media because they don't talk to black people. They don't talk about black society. They just talk about their little cocktail circuit, sexual deviant buddies and friends who are not representative of the society at large. And then when they ultimately fail to build an audience, because that's the only thing they can do is fail to build an audience, then they go squawking and screaming and hoping that they can shame their white benefactors to giving them yet one more ride on the merry-go-round at some other diminishing in value media concern. But let's not shave the nickel here. After a decade, if Melissa Harris-Perry could draw money, Melissa Harris-Perry would be drawing money. Melissa Harris-Perry can't hold a crowd, can't hold an audience. Please remember, people, in the chat room, the whole reason that Oprah got yanked off the air is her ratings were going down. Remember, Jerry Springer was beating her in the ratings for a long while, and among others, the judge shows in, in syndication. Shout out Joe Brown. So they started losing money and stopped being able to draw money, but they keep going back to that well because they are terrified of black people being empowered, but more importantly, of black masculinity. We have to attack the warrior class. So they know what will sell. They know what would get eyeballs. They know what would get an audience, but they're terrified to do that because what would gain an audience will simultaneously de-empower their white backers, 
So they just keep recycling these old retreads who are aging out of the game and aged out of it. And in reality, all you're trying to do, you don't have, in reality, this isn't a dead black media anymore. It's a zombie black media. This is just the zombie black media now. They were dead. Now you set up here and give them some injection to reanimate the corpse and it convulses and springs out of his grave and going from door to door. Yeah, Melissa Harris Barry, tune in to NBR. Let me go ahead and show you something else here. Let me show you something else. Want to talk about Melissa Harris Perry? Want to talk about Melissa Harris Perry? You want to talk about Melissa Harris Perry and her audience, or should I say, lack thereof? If you want to discuss that for a moment, we can do that. We can do that. Here was the audience. Want you to check this out? You all are learning so much tonight. You learned how many layers it goes down below just that ebony cover. Here's the audience. You see on Twitter when she posted about her getting her show canceled. Here's her audience on Twitter. What? Shock and dismay from Miss Kim Kelly. Okay, there's Miss Kim Kelly. She's going to miss it terribly. Melissa Harris Perry. Yup. Okay. All right. Doing their best over there. Miss Ella Dawson. Oh, no. Heartbreaking. I love listening to the show while driving back and forth to NYC. Okay, she's obviously repping for LGBT month. Got it. Miss Shonda Prescott Weinstein. She's obviously very bothered by this as well. She identifies as black, Jewish, queer, agender, woman. She tweets by slash for me. Okay. She's an assistant professor of physics, astros, whatever. Miss Rainsford Stauffer. She's unhappy about it as well. Oh, no, this is the worst news and a huge loss for listeners. I'm so sorry and so upset. Thank you for the amazing work you do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Miss Beth Fertig. This is very sad and a big loss for your audience. Uh-huh. Dr. LB is writing a blog. Who cares? Miss Corey Ellen. L&D, abortion, public health, queer, Jewish, she slash her, opinions, many, my own. Abortion, abortion, all of it, abortion, abortion. So this is her contribution to humanity is removing humanity. Wait, what are they thinking? This is one of the best shows on radio. Miss Erica M. Miss Erica M. Queer, mixed, black, she, slash, her, Minneapolis, art. Okay. We can go down the list here, but I think you all are getting the point. Not hard to figure out 
who her support structure is. And yeah, there's just not enough. Look, the bottom line is the reason that the old black media died and the new black media has eclipsed them and that we are influencing national campaigns, social, political, economic justice and empowerment, presidential campaigns. They're talking about us. They're not talking about any of them. They're discussing our agenda. Melissa Harris, Perry, and them have been silent and AWOL on a black empowerment, reparations, or anything else of any interest to the black body politic. And now they're just sitting around begging for a gig. Jamila Lemieux begging for a gig. Jamel Hill begging for a gig. Trying to shame some white folks in the corporation to sign them up for a gig. This is what happened to them after Keith Olbermann got run out of MSNBC. This is what became of them. By the way, anybody ever heard of what happened to Goldie Taylor? Oh, wait a minute. Professor Black Truth did a video a few weeks ago about her. Yeah, she's running around still chasing a gig, too. All these brain-fried, brain-screwed individuals still chasing the gig. And the gigs have dried up. You don't have a big corporate apparatus anymore that is longing to hire you. They're all over there furiously beating on the doors at MSNBC and can't get anybody to answer. Can't get, they locked the doors at CNN a long time ago. When they kicked Roland Martin's ass off, that was it. They said there's room at, there's room at CNN for only one nigga, Don Lemon, and that's it. Ain't going to be nothing else, and there's been nothing but white folk there ever since. That's CNN. They haven't elevated anybody who ain't white. And you haven't been able to shame your way into getting them to do so either. Oh, yeah, by the way, so is MSNBC. They're not opening up any doors over there either. They're not opening any doors either. If you don't have somebody at the White House to lean on them, to let you in, and you won't be there very long, when they get done, you won't be there very long, they're going to go ahead and do some lip service. They're going to do some lip service, and that's it. That's it. So the old black media, y'all, remember when we talked about this years ago with Tom Joyner? Remember they said the same thing, declining audience, and stations didn't want to carry the program anymore. That was it. They all been trying to coast on reputations that they had from decades ago. Reputations that they had from decades ago. Reputations that they had from decades ago. A name and status that they had decades ago. Nothing that they've actually got now. Y'all tell me somebody who's been on the cover of Ebony Magazine who became a star. Ebony Magazine doesn't make stars. Ebony Magazine is not the place where people go to get their names or to get their ideas about what they should be talking about. They don't go, they don't go to Ebony Magazine for direction. They come here for that. They come here for that. And this is what they've chosen to do with what little resources they have left. They've chosen to squander it. And they're all sitting up in that New York and Los Angeles areas, those New York and Los Angeles areas, 
hoping that they can get another gig if they kiss enough ass. Little have they realized the game is already over. They're, ba- they're all just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic at the bottom of the Atlantic. But it isn't because they've got a, 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 an exit strategy. Dr. Williams. They're just demonstrating in real time why the old black media died. And nobody missed it. They're just demonstrating it in real time. That's all. However, there might be some of you who disagree. Therefore, under those circumstances, the telephone lines are now open. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. Your personal access code to the black media. Very much alive, very much well, very much relevant. Uh, The rest of these folks out here are chasing the gig. We have the backing of the people. Something that they are unable to say. If they could, they would have a whole lot more going for them. But we're going to go ahead and open the phone lines for you here. The number is 646-787-1933. That's 646-787-1933. You can go ahead and give us a call for that. I want to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, or Super Chat. Thank you very much for your support. We appreciate that. V1 Media is a lifesaver. As always, being on deck, thank you very much for your support, brother. We appreciate that. Um, Ms. Dawson, thank you for your support as well. We're going to go ahead and take some phone calls here. Let me get caller from area code 469. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? What are you calling from? This is Thomas calling from Dallas. Thomas from Dallas was on your mind. Wow. Yeah. This is if, if this is supposed to be the, the man that's going to replace Denzel Washington, my God, we're all in trouble. And none of these guys can stand the issues. And so Denzel Washington is a... Is, it's a one of a kind. It's an insult to mention any of these individuals in the same breath, much less the same paragraph as Denzel Washington. That is not audacious. That's not temerity. That's just an insult. You can't mention any of them in the same sentence, much less the same page as a Denzel Washington. Not going to happen. But you got to bootstrap off of Denzel because you have to remember the Root and Ebony don't have any legitimacy. So all they can really try to do is sit here and bootstrap off of the legitimacy of others. So that's why they're trying to do this desperate name dropping. They're trying to bootstrap off of something that they know we do respect. But it's not because they got a better idea. A black man. And if this is if this what they try to replace place that with, no, nah, that's not gonna happen. And I tell anybody, all black men, if you have sons, protect your sons. Don't let them watch these movies because Hollywood is trying to uh like you said, the agenda is real and we have war on all fronts on white fronts. And this is part of their, their plan. So yeah, this this is not gonna happen. I mean, 
Air Prairie, I didn't even know she had a show. No, because this is what philanthropy. They, do, they don't talk to the black people. No, you, have, you gotta understand, this is philanthropy. This is philanthropy. I told you all for years now, this is an investment in white supremacy. In their minds, if you can cobble together some sort of media puppets who can at least reach 20,000, 30,000 people and distract them, stall them, because remember, this is all really a media stalling tactic. This is really a media stalling tactic. If you can stall them around on the plantation long enough, that's an investment. So dumping money into her, dumping money into Ebony or Jet, dumping money into Jamel Lemieux, Jamel Hill, Bowling Ball Martin, that's an investment for them. It's philanthropy. In many cases, it literally could be your tax write-off. Literally. Literally. It's an investment in the future. Even if all they're doing is causing noise and confusion, that's still an investment in the future. I'll let you have the last word. And Jason, I want to say thank you because you know what? Ten years ago, they laughed at you. I mean, the political party laughed at you. The the the, the old black media laughed at you. Because the Sarah Perry sound like uh, Roland Martin right now. That's what she sounds like. So thank you for doing what you did. Ten years ago, starting the start the war against the old black media, and now they don't have a they don't have a pocket to stand or one to throw it out of. So be one, man. Thank you, and keep and keep going at this thing. Black first, brother. Thank you very much for being a caller here tonight. It was years ago when I coined the term "new black media" and the "dead black media," and I did that for a purpose to let you all know the cable TV outlets are never going to declare Melissa Harris Perry a failure and a dead brand. They're never going to do that. They were never going to put that headline up there. I had to put the headline up there for you, and now I'm not saying anymore. They're saying it. They're the ones yanking her down off of TV, off of radio. She understands this is the kiss of death. This is the kiss of death. And to this day, they still will not declare her a dead brand. No, they're just treating her like one. But Melissa is a dead brand. Tom Joyner is a dead brand. Tiffany Cross is a dead brand. Tavis Smiley is a dead brand. Tom Joyner is a dead, buried in ashes brand. Caller from area code 609, you're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello, sir. I'm Manuel, and I come from Pleasantville, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, I appreciate your broadcast, and I appreciate your perception. And um, the thing that I feel that's relevant with these old niggas that you call them, is just like they have, like, of value to these white supremacists that is never going to change. They're always going to influence the simple-minded people to just like accept the easier route. So honestly, it's just like these old niggas is valuable because it's just like they keep putting out these images of us integrating to them and these brands that they built up like Oprah or whatever, even though they're fellow with us, they're being accepted by them and they're the majority. So honestly, at the end of the day, they're valuable because it's just like they keep 
people in that integration in the simple minded people are always going to integrate. Yeah, I mean, they, they so need some type fine. of speaker. They need some type of speaker. They need some type of loudspeaker. They're going to have somebody to carry the message. What they've been plagued with is what we've called an incompetent operative class. Melissa Harris Perry is incompetent. She can't get the job done. Tiffany Cross is incompetent. Simone Sanders is incompetent. They can't close the deal. They can't get the job done. But they're the only tools they have because anybody else is chomping at the bit to do what we're doing. They're like, hey, we ain't going to let that in. So once again, it's philanthropy, it's charity, it's an investment in maintaining this status quo. How many of us are competent? I'm talking about older people because it's like a lot of younger people are competent because it's just like you want to change. And these older people fill this with that change slogan. Well, it's not so much about the older people. It's not so much about the older people being competent. They know the real issue old. with the older folks yeah, is who's going to fight. Not about necessarily who's competent. It's really about who's going to stand up. Because you have to understand the civil rights generation had some warriors in it. But the reason why things are backslides so quickly is the majority of them are just making the consumers. And as soon as somebody opened the door to allow them to do that, they went into it full steam. So the real issue with the old folk is finding anybody willing to fight. We don't have elder warriors anymore. We kind of got elder consumers. And that's why I try to get the young folk away from listening to them because these are old folks who are not going to fight. As long as they're concerned, the part they're concerned, they're not, the police are not a problem for them because they old and helpless and they can just come break me out of their car. Is that the police are, quote, the young folks' problem now. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. That's the way they see it for the most part is that the police are the young folks' problem. Not our problem anymore. It's the young folks' problem. Shout out to the Super Chat to uh, Ms. Santos and everybody else who has contributed to tonight's program here. Um, I know Clarissian, thank you very much as well. Let me get caller from Area Code 66. You're on live. Black Channel, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Logical Facts, Chicago. Jason Black, I want to again commend you on an excellent broadcast. Uh, one thing with this, uh, if you really want to bring in uh, bring in a lot of this stuff of what you see, thank the NAACP. And thank Tyler Perry, NAACP, because gays couldn't get any traction within the white community. They were like, no, 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 we ain't messing with you. But then they came to the NAACP, and the NAACP took them in under the protected minority status. So by us getting them in, we then have white males, and they could be white males, which of course means they're a part of the majority, but now they call themselves gay, and that makes them a minority. That is where a lot of this stuff comes from. Thank Benjamin Jealous. And then the other part, thank uh, uh, Tyler Perry, because I just saw some mess in his life. He's writing, directing, and producing shows, and almost all the males are, are feminized or gay, or they're just raked up by other men. This is a man that's a billionaire. He can make anything he wants, but yet he chooses to continue to feminize men. Because, so because that's how you get white studio money yeah. that's the way i told y'all about this um well, 14 years ago now if you remember the transformers movies there's a direct link between uh, I, I believe i got the studio systems correct in that regard there's a direct link when tyler perry puts out his films 
they make $150 million um, consistently. So he puts in $25, $30 million, and it consistently makes $150, $200 million. And if, if I remember the studio system correct, connections correctly, um, about that time you saw them, he made $150 million, and then they gave Michael Bay $150 million to make the Transformers movie back in 2007. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but, uh, his, he brings, yeah, they give you these little old pennies so you can make five times the money, then they take the money from that and they go give that to a white director. They right. give him the big budget. So, if you're dependent on the studio and the producers to finance what you're doing, then they're going to say, okay, we'll finance it, but we want to know what it is. See, here's what a lot of folks don't understand about the movie business, for example. I'm glad you said you this because you didn't understand. Movies are not created or approved by the writers or by creative people. That is a delusion. That's a lie. That, that's, that's a misconception of the public consciousness. The movies that you see that make it to the theaters, those are the products of the producer. They make it people crawl in. You take a look at who is the producer of the film. Uh-huh. Over there at uh, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy. Over there at Sony. Remember, it was Amy, what was her name? Uh, the racist chick. Um, so you got these folks who are the studio heads and the producers. So um, Kevin Smith has a famous story that he told one time about, um, what was his name? Uh, Peters, uh, I forget his name. Um, John Peters. Oh, and he, he, was, uh, around, he was running around with uh, Pamela Anderson for a while. And yeah, he gave a famous story where we were talking about, you know, getting yeah, the movie made. He said, all the guys at the studio said, so, now, he's yeah. going to come to you but about the spider. So get ready for that. So Kevin Smith is pitching him about this superhero movie he wants to do. And Doesn't next thing you know, the guy's nodding his head. And he says, deals. okay, we're really ready. We put in a big mechanical spider. It's like, no, there's no, there's no spiders with Superman. There's no spiders. So the producer of the film was like, we'll give you the money. Jughead, you're great. Amy Pascal, we'll I give you the money, show, but I want a, a big mechanical spider in the movie. Well, Kevin Smith's like, hey, we ain't gonna do that. I don't see it. So next thing you know, he's like, hey, you heard he's producing the Wild Wild West movie with Will Smith. So anybody who's seen Wild Wild West, he got his big mechanical spider. But that tells you the extent of the influence the producers have whether it's Conan the Barbarian, whether it's Transformers, Marvel's movies. Marvel, those movies are the product of not of the writers or the directors, but of Kevin Feige. He's the, that's why um, there were a bunch of directors who didn't want to work on those movies for Marvel because basically Kevin basically puts together the script and puts together the way the movie's going to be. How it starts, that's why they talk about the Marvel movies have a problem because they're formulaic. They all start the same. The superhero winds up fighting a mirror version of himself, and it's basically the same thing over and over again. So that's the kind of thing that you deal with there. The producers are the ones who decide what type of movie it'll be. Um, when these folks come to pitch to the producers about the movie they want to make, what do they want to hear? Oh, Will Smith. They want to hear you compare the movie to something else. When so it's like, oh, well, well, this is like Game of Thrones. What do you see on TV now? Everybody wants to put out another... And this is where like you, where Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones. Uh, the Witcher is like Game of Thrones. You see what I mean? So the producers, and some of the producers, the producers can wrap their heads around. And then they'll be like, hey, we want to see a TV show that's like Game of Thrones. Bring us our Game of Thrones. That's what Jeff Bezos said. 
Amazon TV needs to have its own Game of Thrones. Next thing you know, they went and paid billions of dollars and we got the rights to uh, Lord of the Rings and paid billions of dollars to make a TV show that nobody watches. So understand where this comes from. When you see these movies and if you're going to the studios to get the money, the producers are already like, we want to see a black gay flick. We want to see a black gang flick. We want to see a black gangster movie. We, they're the ones who sit there and they literally can say, this is the type of movie that we want to see. And we're not going to put any money behind anything other than that. So if you want us to pay for this, then you need to put together the kind of film that we want to see. And now you're beholden not to a writer, not to a screenwriter, not even a president of a studio, but the producers in the studio who control the purse strings and control the money. They're the ones who dictate the type of films you see. And guys like Lee Daniels and Tyler Perry have been very good at bringing the producers what they want to see. Very true. Very true. And and, and, and can I add to that? Um, actually, if you look at with Marvel, what they do is, or Marvel and DC, what they like to do is, is they like to take away the humanity of the black male actors. I just saw the thing like with Cyborg. I mean, it's like the only black male on there, but what is he? He's mostly a machine, and he's barely human. And they wanted to especially show that he had no genitalia. So, you know, to me, it's always about emasculation. And remember, the mediums, are, the, the movies are the mediums to the masses. There are lots of people out here, and they have no problem propping up all this stuff. So that's where we have to come in. And, we have, and, and again, with your great broadcast, come in here and let these people know. It's like, look, you're being hoodwinked. You better wake up because the thing is, if you don't, the next thing you know, your kid's going to be out there wearing a dress and calling themselves a female or a, a woman when they're actually a male. This is the kind of stuff. So I appreciate it. And again, I commend you big time. Excellent broadcast. Again, I'll land my plane there. Thank, Thank you, you very much for giving us a call tonight. It's the same thing in the movie business. I mean, the music business, by the way. Anybody who's ever worked at a radio station, worked for a record label, at a record label, been an intern, is the same thing in the music business, the radio stations. There's only they want they they have already decided what type of music they want to hear. It doesn't matter how well put together your album is. It doesn't matter how well produced. It doesn't matter the acoustics or anything. They've already got their own ideas about what they want to hear. And if you're not bringing them what they want to hear, it ain't gonna play. If you saw my documentary film Race War, you saw my son was in there talking about the clubs in New York and the DJs in New York and how New York rappers couldn't get on because the DJs have their own ideas about what they're going to play and what it's going to be. And then Funkmaster Flex is something of an exception, but as for the others, as for the others, oh no, we got our own ideas. So when Charlemagne kind of dropped the, dropped the dime on Cardi B and said, the machine is behind her. You gonna hear nothing but Cardi B now because the machine is behind her. You all remember when Charlemagne said that? When Charlemagne said the machine's behind her now, that's what you're gonna hear. Doesn't matter whether you think it's great or not, the machine is behind her. They gonna make sure you hear nothing but Cardi B now. Call from Mary Code 601, you're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? 
His name is Gregory, calling from uh, Virginia. Okay, Gregory, get off speakerphone. Can you hear me now? Yeah, what's on your mind? So what? I know you told me to call in. I said, um, Jason was not all, wow. not all, not necessarily. But I said that, and I typed that in, and uh, I was making an excellent, excellent point. And um, I was, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. Doing an excellent job. And as far as your research, when you were saying um about. Uh, people saying you reaching, I said, damn, the way Jason breaks it down and go to those people's profile, looks them up, and makes the attachment from A to Z. Excellent. 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 Thank you very much for your support. We appreciate that. Folks, if you're being sarcastic, it might help you if you put sarcasm in there. You know, just a thought. Caller from Erico 310, you're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Jason. This is Hazel from Compton, California. All right, Hazel from Compton, what's on your mind? Uh, yes, um, I'm one of the old black niggas. I'm 80 years old. Oh, don't do that. And, uh, and uh, what I wanted to say is I thought that every jet had gone out of business more than 30 years ago. I didn't even know they were still in business until I tuned into your program tonight. And uh, in Compton, you can't even find everything on a, any kind of newsstand. And when I go to friends and relatives and church people house years ago, uh, I remember you see everything laying around on coffee tables and head tables. I don't see that anymore. And about the time I thought they went out of business, was also the time I stopped being interested in them because they wasn't saying anything to me. But I just discovered you uh, the end of the 2019, and I so appreciate um, the information that you are giving me at my age, and I thank God for you, and I appreciate you, and continue your good work. Well, I appreciate you being out there, Hazel and Compton. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please stay with us. Um, Ebony really stopped being anything that you could relate to back in the 90s. I mean, that was pretty much the end of their run. With the Clinton administration, they started making this turn. And by the time you get to the 2000s and no more John Johnson, and by the time you get there and um, Ebony essentially becomes a publication without a purpose, because it had abandoned its own audience in the futile attempt of attempting to remake and reform black society into a black body politic that doesn't have any agenda of its own as a consumer base, but not a body politic. Let's be very clear. They see black society now as a consumer base and a market but not a core audience and a black body politic. As a matter of fact, Ebony and Jet and Essence and BET, now all white owned, you understand? But they are now hostile towards their historic core audience, which is why they no longer have a historic core audience. Let's be clear about this, folks. BET used to be the thing. BET used to be the thing. Y'all remember, that used to be an event. For those of us back in the 90s and the very early 2000s, 
the BET Awards used to be it. We didn't give a damn about no Grammy. We wasn't studying no Grammy. It was about a BET Award. That's where the audience was. The Grammys were on life support. BET was where the audience was. And you wanted to get a BET Award because that's where the audience was. Wasn't nobody watching MTV. MTV had to wait for BET to make things hot. The audience was on BET. And I'm not just talking about the shows like Rap City and 106 and Park. I'm talking about the BET Awards. It was firmly, it firmly had its finger on the pulse of black society. So everybody wanted to be a part of that. Now BET has more money and more backing behind it than ever because of Viacom and it's more irrelevant than it's ever been. Who in the hell got best artist or best album or whatever at the awards? Folks, we can't even be upset because most of us can't even tell you who was there. When Fat Joe was hosting, I remember that part because I did a program about it, and I literally can't tell you what happened after that. We know somebody was there. I assume because they had an award show, I'm assuming they gave out an award. I'm assuming they did. I could be wrong. They might have just sat up there and shook their asses and gave no awards. Who knows? But assuming they actually did give out an award, um, I can't tell you who got one, and most of y'all can't say who it was either. That's how relevant the BET Awards are now. That's how relevant it is. The game is over for them. Viacom is just dumping money into BET now, attempting to use black people as a core audience and to, quote, expand the brand, turning into a general hip-hop brand, and it ain't working. Now all they're doing is throwing good money after bad and turning all the bad money. is coming out bad money in the wash. So this is everywhere. This is everywhere. These folks are losing hundreds of millions of dollars trying to create a phony black customer base that doesn't exist and will not. Well, they got the money to burn, so let it burn. Let me get called video code 929. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where you calling from? This is Daryl from Chicago. Daryl from Chicago, what's on your mind? Well, good evening, Jason. This excellent broadcast is, is, is always, always. And um, last night was a nice one. Tonight's a nice broadcast as well. And you're absolutely right. They're throwing this money in there. They're trying to, it's, it's, it's like a, a, a mistake of trying to say, even put anything with Danielle or even close to that. That's, that's, outrageous and then the other part too is the, the black media i remember as a kid I, uh, my dad had tom going on his radio in the car he just got tired of it <laughs> back then but again that black media has been dead for a long period of time a long period of time well back and in the, the back in the 90s tom joiner had a shot back in the 90s he was coming out of the it's 80s good. you know he was the fly jock for those of us who lived in Dallas yeah. at that time, we were aware that he used to come like fly into town and go fly and go do an afternoon show. Okay, cool. Yeah. Tom Joyner had a shot there for a while. And during the 90s, when talk radio blew up and black talk radio was benefiting as a result, Tom Joyner yes. became the name 
in black radio. So in, in syndicated black radio, mm-hmm. it was. That's why all your local radio affiliates want to start doing things like Big Boy and some of these other people. But there was a problem. And the problem that we started to yeah. notice is that Tom Joyner would mix in discussing black issues with the Democrats as if they were synonymous. Now, that was the problem. He started discussing the Democratic Party and black people as if they were one and the same. So that's what the old dead black media did. Now, Tom Joyner, his chief concern was getting partnerships and and, 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 um, sponsorships. Boy, he must have lost his damn mind when he got that Walmart sponsorship. I'll remember that one. I remember when he finally, after all that begging and pleading and complaining, landed that Walmart's uh, sponsorship. He was like, I have arrived. We're going to hit the big time. But Tom made it very clear that he had a real opportunity to create something of lasting significance. And instead, he sold it out for personal benefit and then tried, and he went to work to convert or deliver the black audience to the Democrat party. Yes. So if those of you who are younger, yes, remember mm-hmm. what really went wrong and why is it that, they, that never really worked out for us, that's because he blew up, he had an opportunity to really do something significant and instead sold out his integrity, what Lily had. Thank you very much for giving us a call tonight. Big shout out here to Mr. Curly Snaps and Zachariah for contributing to tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, and Super Chat. Let me get called from Gary Code 804. You're on live with the Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Original, Doswell, Virginia. All right, Original, what's on your mind? Well, uh, can someone tell me exactly who keeps advising these black males to put skirts on and things like that? Uh, and what what exactly are they trying to get to? I understand the indoctrination piece, but I, and I, maybe we should ask the millennials, is that something that you want to see? And does the younger generation want to see black men in fucking skirts? Is it something sexy for women to watch? I'm trying to figure this bullshit out. Okay, well, first thing, start from the beginning, though. 80% 80% of your black children have been raised by single mothers. Oh, no. Don't, so don't go who there. is defining right. masculinity? Because I'm thinking about this world here. When I'm sitting up here yeah, watching Jonathan Majors, I'm like, first thing I'm thinking was, okay, back in the day with Keith Sweat, we wasn't doing this. We wasn't doing this in the days of Keith Sweat. The, yeah. women, the women are sitting up there in the comment yeah. section. I'm like, wait a minute. Th- th- this is not the get down. This is not what we do. Carl Weathers, this is not what we do. This, we've never done this. Right. No, so what no. you're getting Same is this, no. this fusion of effeminization because masculinity is oh, scary, or at least they want you to be afraid of it. So on the one hand, you're afraid of it, but on the other hand, if they don't come to your rescue, you're complaining because they ain't asked oh, after masculine. So you're dealing with a schizophrenic position. Yeah, it's clearly a schizophrenic position. It's clearly a, 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 a confused position. And I, I don't quite understand why. <laughs> even the, 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 the youngsters that I speak to, they're confused about it too. They don't quite understand it either. But this whole idea that, okay, a, a female can have a penis too, or, or whatever whatever else they got going on. No, they're confused about it too. But they ride along with it too. Well, for some strange reason. Because and then you didn't they, used they, to have it on TV too. On, on TV and radio, there wasn't confusion there before either. 
So this is the result of a 45-year campaign to confuse the society. I'm sorry, 45-year campaign, not to confuse the society. It's not about confusion. It's about indoctrination. Let me break down your defenses. Let me just not object to it. If I can get you to that point, that's all I'm really looking for. And from there, then we can just start picking people off easy. They should unequivocally reject this culture that's being foisted upon them. Unequivocally reject it. Look, we have enough problems in black society between black males and females than to do this sort of ridiculous shit. I agree. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Yeah, y'all. Barry White, Keith Sweat. Hell, you didn't see Michael Jackson doing nothing like this. Come on now. What in the world? These are your big buff masculine men. So you supposed to be be a masculine man. Pass me the pink and paisley. I'm glad he didn't keep going. What the hell was he used to picking up the uh, picking up the weights? Black single mother. Call from Mary Code eight three two. You're on live with Black Channel. What's your name? Where you going, bro? They blame us for that. Jared from Houston, Texas. Jared from Houston was on your line. Blame for yeah, look, let me say this, man, because I want to tell the other thing. And then, you know, like I say, this right here, this representation that we see coming out of the Ebon, Ebony, or whatever the name of the thing is, it's actually an embarrassment. I was actually very surprised by seeing him in that 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 statue or that freaking, uh, the poses that he was putting himself in. I was very embarrassed by seeing that. I was very shocked. Denzel Washington came yeah. up through so they can't say that. the Black Who Theater. Says that, we know where Jones is. James Earl Jones. know where he came from. I think, no, I, I can't see who said it. Going too fast. Kind of air dropped into it. Next thing you know, you got this great big push out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, you know what? Is the machine behind you? And then you need to ask yourself the next question. Do you really know these people? But I never got that gate. Do we really know <laughs> these people? Not like how you can look at and the and truth of the matter is, I never got that from them. We don't know them. These Trojan horses, Barack Obama, we don't know too. these people. They tripped So we have to start leveling with ourselves and be on so guard. Like, Jackson, hey, who brought you? Who brought you? Who brought him? I don't know where. What is Freeman? What does he stand for, if anything? You start seeing right. you're starting to notice a thing now. They're just air dropping people in. Here's your new star. Hey, don't ask Somebody any questions. Hey, be the Marvel movie. Don't ask you an HBO show. Don't ask any questions. Hey, you came with Issa Ray. Don't ask any questions. We need to start asking questions. Right. Oh, let me say this one more thing. Because you just brought up HBO, and I think that's very important that we bring up HBO. And I want to say this, HBO, I looked at because I'm, I'm very into comedy. Every comedian that HBO is pushing, they have to be pro-LGBTQ. Yeah. They're not funny. Uh, Jared Carmichael, he comes to my front of my mind right now. The dude is not funny. He's not He's not funny. 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 But you know, they feel they just promote the guy. What, what's up with that? I didn't even send him back. No, no, they're letting you know, hey, shit. this is the guy we're going back. You have to remember, mm. just to be on the promotion for HBO is yeah, hundreds the of thousands of millions. Of 
and cost to HBO. So if they show you the machines behind you, particularly where black people are concerned, because they consider us to be a demographic. So yeah, if they're showing them, they keep bringing out Easter Ray. Oh, okay. The, the machine's behind you. The agenda yeah, she is behind up. you. This isn't a television show. This is part of the corporate media agenda. That's what that is. You know mm-hmm. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Now, let me get caller from your code 412. You're on live. Black Channel. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Good evening, Jason. My name is Robert. I'm calling from Pittsburgh. I love Kraft, too. Robert Pittsburgh is on live. I'm sorry. I love Kraft. Uh, uh, Jason, your show, your broadcast, of course, is always at the top. Um, a long time ago, Vicky Diller bought the Kenya um, situation where they were showing how they can emasculate um, young black warriors. And they get practice on bulls. And the ultimate agenda is emasculating the warrior class and they even the baby producing class because this is genocide. You know, I mean, I wish that I would like to see these black men stop wearing these earrings. They're not cute. You know, you look at the football players, all the brothers have earrings on, but the white guys don't. So, like, they're making you look like very effeminate. We have to be more conscious and get back to the level that we were at and produce those heavyweight champions again. Produce all those athletic black men. And Jason, I'm glad that you're bringing this up right now. But the whole thing is genocide. Thank you so much for your for your oh, broadcast. Boy, Thank you very much for giving this call. This nigga didn't get big until Look, this court. what this really yeah. does is yeah. it yeah. reminds us that we have to we have to make these decisions from the top down. I thought he was young when I first we have to make these decisions from the top down. We cannot allow. I mean, from the ground up. Cannot allow these decisions to be made from the top down. You can't allow these decisions to be made by the power structure. We, the people, the soil has to make these decisions. We have to decide what's for us and what isn't. The soil has to make these decisions. Yeah, he said that time. But we simply cannot allow this to be a top-down decision because this is what you end up with when you allow the decisions to come from the top down. We have to make sure that we speak on Now, I get it. Let me be very, very clear. I get it. In media, you want to do things to, quote, get attention. I get it. That's not lost on them. That's something. They do stuff just so they can get hits, get clicks, get some sort of exposure. Hey, they're talking about us. We must be winning because they're talking about us. But I submit to you here, I'm talking about this because I want us to be aware. If we don't continuously keep a spotlight on this when it stays in this proper context, these folks will jump up out of nowhere and then next thing you know, they're telling you what's hot. Right now, we're making it very clear. They're telling you what's lame. I'm going to keep it like that. I'm going to keep it like that. What about her? I'm going to keep it like that. journalist, a black journalist. Me neither. That's I never heard of her. Want we'll to make sure that once they go down, they stay Everybody down. They said they thought she had been gone. I know she was still doing stuff. We're gonna go ahead and wrap things up for you all here tonight. If you are new here to the Black Channel, welcome to the Haven of Intelligent Black Thought. We do this every weekend. 
click that red subscribe button, click that yellow notification bell, join us each and every time that we're here. If you haven't been to our website, blackchannelfilms.com, you want to go and check out our groundbreaking, best-selling documentary work, 7 a.m., Gentrified, Race War, all available on DVD streaming and Amazon, go to blackchannelfilms.com. That is Black Oh, they cut them off. Films. Oh, okay. I want to thank everyone who has contributed to support tonight's program on PayPal, Cash App, or Super Chat. Thank you very much for your support, as well as on Venmo. And thank you all for tuning in here tonight, liking the program, sharing the program, subscribe to the program. We are the Black Media. And tonight you have seen why we are the Black Media. And Ebony, Jet, Essence, and the rest of them are the no. dead Black Media. I thought they were dead. And this concludes tonight's broadcast of the Black Channel. I am your host, your brother, your humble servant, the Black Authority. And until next time, my brothers and my sisters around the world, remember, Black is the future, and the future is alive. And then for him to be okay with that, he must feel that. Not necessarily, babe. So he did that just for the money? Probably. Or the fame. He's about to be in a, another uh, comic. His first comic and shit. It's, uh, he's following Hollyweird, babe. He's following that Hollyweird. 